was reading scriptures and then I prayed and I was like singing, singing hymns and I wasn't feeling any better. It just felt a little weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she comes in and she just looks at me and she doesn't say anything. And right. um, I, I'm like, what's wrong? And then she goes, she starts yelling at me and she's like, there's something wrong, Sister Risa. That's my last name. Uh, Risa. And so she's like, there's something wrong, Sister Risa. Like, and you don't believe me. Like, I don't know what to do and all that. And she's like, I'm just going to go home, you know. I don't know about y'all, but August 14th, 2017 was almost a disaster for me. At around 9 or 10 p.m. in my hometown of Brookfield, Wisconsin, me and a bunch of my hooligan friends had just climbed down from the roof of the local middle school when a patrol car rounded the building. Most of us were over 18, so we were looking at some trouble here. The cop got out, had us line up, took our IDs if we had them, or our names if we didn't, and proceeded to tell us that the middle school grounds were closed because it was night, and that we couldn't be there. We were kind of relieved because that meant he probably hadn't seen us on top of the middle school roof and was just coming over to issue a warning and let us all go free. But then he noticed something. On our knees, all of our knees, we had black smudges from climbing around on the black roof of the middle school. The cop, suspicious, asked one of my friends, what are those marks on your knees? Thinking quickly, another friend responded for him and said, oh, we were just in the woods and we crawled through some dirt. Miraculously, the officer bought it, and he didn't prod any further. We knew he probably knew what we were doing prior to his arrival, but for some reason he didn't bust us, and we all went free that night. Which was a good thing, too, because we had a movie to catch at 11. At 11pm, my friends and I sat down to watch a horror movie at a nearby theater. About two hours later, we walked out, a little spooked, but hungry, so we went to a grocery store that was open 24 hours to get some snacks. We got what we wanted, and we headed to the checkout area. One of my friends who was with us, and who was older than most of us by a couple years, started to tell some stories not unlike the movie we had just watched. The only difference was that these stories, he claimed, were true. He talked about some experiences he had as a missionary serving in Bakersfield, California. In a way, these stories were even scarier than the movie we had just seen, for me especially, because in about 36 hours from that night in that grocery store, I would be leaving on my own mission and everything I thought I could expect had now changed. Once again, this podcast is not affiliated with nor sponsored by any church or religious institution that I am aware of currently. Its purpose is to entertain and provide a different perspective on the strange subject matter that is the supernatural. Every account that you will hear in this podcast is true. What is up, you brave souls? Tuning in for episode two of the Adversary Podcast. We have a few stories today that might make you rethink your next trip to France, but hopefully we learn a wee bit about the supernatural along the way. So to get stories for this podcast, specifically this episode, I started reaching out to friends that had served missions in the past. That seemed like the obvious place to start, and I was familiar with these people, and they'd probably be more willing to talk to me since they knew who I was. And the subject matter is a little bit dicey and a little bit awkward, so I thought I might as well start with people that I trust. One of these people was my friend from stats class that I had met a couple semesters back. She had served in Lyon, France, or... I guess lie in France if you're American, and I reached out and I asked her the question that I had asked a lot of people. 
While you were on your mission, did you ever have any experiences with the supernatural or paranormal or anything involving spirits? And it took a couple days, but eventually she responded and texted back, Yeah, I did, actually. A lot. At that point, I was super excited, and so I texted back and said, Hey, can I meet with you? I really want to talk to you about these kinds of things. And she said, Yeah, sure, come. you can come over tomorrow. And so the next day I went over, and uh, this was during quarantine, so my hair was pretty long, and I had a beard, and I walked in the door, and she's like, Wow, you have a beard? And I'm like, Yeah, it's been a while since I shaved. But we sat down, and I started asking her some questions about her mission. Eventually, we got down to why I was really there, and I asked her about those specific experiences that she had. And so she said, okay, I really have one that was pretty noticeable and probably the most significant of all the stories. And I said, okay, uh, well, go ahead and tell that one. And she's like, all right, so this is how it goes. The story takes place in 2018 in in the France-Lyon mission, which is basically the southern half of France. So we're talking a relatively large geographical region. My friend and her companion at the time frequently visited a nice French lady in her 50s. I don't remember if this woman was a baptized member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but she sometimes attended church and for the purposes of the story, it doesn't really matter whether or not she was or wasn't. This lady was somewhat mentally handicapped, according to my friend, which was brought on by years of habitual drug use, but not to the extent of being unable to carry on a conversation or understand what the sisters were teaching. In other words, her handicap was fairly mild. Apparently, despite her disability, she loved the missionaries and their messages, and they dropped by often to meet with her. Lately, they had been trying to help her quit smoking, and she was making progress here and there. One day, my friend and her companion stopped by for a regularly scheduled appointment with the lady. The woman was pretty talkative that day, telling the sisters about her struggle with bulimia. My friend and her companion were sympathetic, like missionaries usually are, and they just let her speak. The lady went on and on for a long while on this topic, until eventually the time came for the sisters to leave and go to another appointment or whatever they had scheduled next. Typically, before leaving, missionaries will offer to say a prayer with the person they just met with to conclude a visit. This time, the woman took the initiative and asked the missionaries if they'd pray with her. My friend and her companion of course agreed, and the three women joined hands at the lady's request while seated around a table. My friend volunteered to say the prayer, and all three closed their eyes as she began. Within the first 10 to 15 seconds, my friend felt something swirling around her head. She kept her eyes shut, but it felt like darkness. Fearing that real harm would come to her if she stopped praying, she continued to pray out loud for one minute, and then two minutes. And then as she approached what would have been a third minute, the feeling began to recede little by little. She finished the prayer and everyone opened their eyes. Both sisters looked at the woman and waited for her to say something like, thank you for coming over, or goodbye, I'll see you next time, but the woman just sat there in silence. The sisters stood up and said, we're gonna get going now. The woman's eyes were open, but she just remained unresponsive. The missionaries let themselves out and closed the door behind them. My friend asked her companion about what had just happened in there, and her companion had felt the same thing. Needless to say, they didn't set a return appointment. My friend's story brings to mind another older and more famous account that took place in the early 1800s, 1820 to be exact. The founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints reported a similar experience when he prayed in the woods near his home one day. Here's how he described what followed in his own words. I kneeled down and began to offer up the desires of my heart to God. I had scarcely done so, when immediately I was seized upon by some power which entirely overcame me and had such an astonishing influence over me to bind my tongue so that I could not speak. 
thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed for a time as if I were doomed to sudden destruction. The boy's name was Joseph Smith, as those familiar with the story already know, and while this was his first encounter with something from the other side, it would not be his last. Now, Joseph was obviously alone when this whole thing happened, but my friend was not alone when she experienced what she did. She had her companion, who felt what she felt in that room. This is part of what makes missionaries such great witnesses. There are always two or more of them together at all times. What one sees, the other sees as well. What one hears, the other hears also. A second, or even third witness in some cases, lends a lot more credibility to a story. Another characteristic of missionaries that makes them reliable witnesses is the fact that they are always sober. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints steer clear from alcohol and other mind-altering substances. They believe it is a commandment from God to avoid these and they will be blessed with improved health in return. So missionaries are never tripping, so to speak. What's more, missionaries are generally in their late teens to early 20s, so they're more or less all there mentally, and finally they really have no motivation to lie about these kinds of things because these stories are never told in a church setting and seldom told anywhere else. So usually missionaries experience events together, which makes sense. How could you not if someone is by your side 24-7, right? This isn't always the case as it turns out. After my friend finished telling her story and I made some last notes and asked some follow-up questions, I was like, well, what else you got? And she replied with something like, yeah, that's pretty much everything I have. And I said, oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This was really helpful. And so at that point, I started packing up my stuff and getting ready to leave when she said, you know what? There was actually one other thing that happened to my mission that I know of, but it didn't happen to me. And I, of course, being interested, said, really? And she said, it was a sister that I served around. I can give you her contact information if you'd like, and you can reach out to her to ask her about it. And I said, yes, thank you so much. That would be perfect. So I shot her a message and essentially said, Hey, I'm working on this project, and I know one of your friends. She mentioned that you had a scary experience while you were serving your mission. Would you be interested in sharing a little bit about this experience with me? And she responded sometime later and basically said, Yeah, I'd be willing to share my experience with you. Just give me a little bit of time so I can type it all up and then I'll send it to you. So this girl is actually Italian and is living in Italy, so by the time I texted her that day, she was getting ready to go to bed, so I had to wait a little bit longer to get the full story from her. But by the time I woke up the next morning, I saw that she had sent me a huge paragraph detailing what happened to her on her mission in France. She told me that it took a little bit longer than anticipated to send because she wanted to reread through the whole thing and make sure there weren't any errors. So out of respect for the time that she spent proofreading her story, I will read word for word what she wrote. This is what she sent me. When I was a missionary a year and a half ago in France, I was in a city called Lyon, and I never thought that things would change for the rest of my time as a missionary. But I actually started to feel too connected to one specific member of the ward in which I was serving. A quick side note, a ward just refers to a congregation made up of people that live in the same relative area. Now back to the story. This member was in a moment where her life was changing a lot, and was a really difficult time for her and for me too because I wanted to help her feel safe and have peace. So one day we were at her house eating dinner, and she asked for a blessing. It's important to remark that she'd always had these kinds of visions or feelings, and sometimes she'd even say she sees something, so it was creepy to be with her. But that night she asked for a blessing of protection. The elders that were there with us that night stood up and put their hands on her head to proceed with the blessing. At one moment during the blessing, I felt like there was something going on. I don't really know how to explain the feeling in words, but it's like when someone looks at you and you feel that. I opened my eyes during the prayer and I looked around me. Before I could be sure that it was just my imagination, 
I saw this man behind the elders, and then I realized that he saw me too. After the blessing, I told everything to my companion. She didn't say anything, but I'm sure she thought I was crazy. We went out of the house and got ready to go home, but then I started feeling weird. I couldn't breathe, and my companion started to get really worried. The elders tried to help me, but they didn't know what to do. And then the man I saw in the house was suddenly in front of me. He didn't touch me, but I couldn't breathe, so something was going on. He was mad, and I could feel it really strongly. The elders called the mission president because the situation was becoming extremely difficult. Then the man went away, but I was able to see more people. Or at least, they looked like that. They didn't want us to teach at our member's house. That's what I received from them. The feelings in that moment were really bad. There was a lot of darkness, and I felt terrible, like tired and sad. I wanted to cry. A lot. But thankfully, the mission president had the elders bring me to his house to give me a blessing and talk about all the stuff going on. When I arrived in front of the house of my mission president, I literally couldn't move. It was like someone was there, preventing me from going into the house. So my companion had to physically push me to get me through the doorway and inside. When I received the blessing, I felt peace. But I wouldn't desire that anyone feel or see what I felt and saw that night. After that, I continued to have some episodes, but this one was the strongest. This girl's story ends with a few sentences describing how her mission president explained this whole situation to her. He said that for some people, the veil, or the barrier between our world and theirs, is thin. Especially for missionaries. And these people can often sense things that others are unable to detect. This leads into a larger discussion about something called spiritual sensitivity. Christians believe in a being known as the Holy Spirit, a good spirit. Latter-day Saint doctrine expands the role of the Holy Spirit, describing it as functioning in several capacities. One of its roles is to testify of truth, which it does through feelings in the form of peace and joy. Another one of its roles is to warn. Spiritually sensitive people can more easily perceive these promptings from the Holy Spirit and thereby avoid a dangerous situation, for instance. Now, everyone feels emotion, and just standard things like riding a roller coaster or giving a speech in front of a large audience can be a source of happiness or unease, depending on the person. But where spiritual sensitivity comes in is when everything appears normal, like shaking a friend's hand or walking into a regular apartment. But an inexplicable feeling of discomfort suddenly pervades. Spiritual sensitivity is when everything seems fine, but feels exactly the opposite. Now, when I finished reading this girl's story, I of course had a million questions that I wanted to ask her, and I did ask her a few, and she was kind enough to respond with the answers. But I won't get into those in this episode, because they relate to material that I will address in future episodes. And this episode would be too long if I were to address every detail in depth. But her story has some interesting implications. Her account is only one of a few I've heard in which one companion experiences something strange while the other is seemingly oblivious to anything supernatural going on. This again probably relates back to spiritual sensitivity. Two companions are, after all, two different people. And the degree to which they can sense the supernatural will vary on an individual basis. Now, most of the time, it's just a feeling. But what makes this case stand out is the fact that this girl claims to have actually seen a figure. And not just one, either. Many of them. What's more, an invisible force seemed to have a physical influence over her, preventing her from entering the mission president's house when she wanted to. As a result of this story, we're ultimately left wondering what these beings can and can't do. 
we're establishing a kind of realm of possibility for these things. And here's the reason why that's important. In every story I've ever heard concerning these spirits, they all have one thing in common. The people were afraid. Something is only scary, truly scary, when you don't know what rules it plays by. In the next episode, we'll return to the United States and discover more about what these spirits are and are not capable of, in hopes of gaining a better understanding of the adversary. If you have a story you'd like to share, send an email to theadversarypodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram at theadversarypodcast. The Adversary Podcast is hosted by me, Ethan Lars. Everything except for the accounts were written by me, including the main theme. A special thanks to my friends, old and new, that contributed the stories to this episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope we didn't scare you away.